0: Are you happy with your antiperspirant? And if you're already using a natural deodorant, are you happy with it? Rain Organica is now accepting pre-orders for our SANS vegan all natural deodorant. What makes SANS different from all the other deodorants out there? Well, it doesn't use baking soda and it doesn't use magnesium hydroxide. Oftentimes companies rely on these products or excuse me, on these ingredients for as part of the way that the deodorant protects you from odors, both baking soda and those hydroxide ingredients, raise the pH under your arms. And the problem is that for those of us who are extremely sensitive, we can't tolerate, either those hydroxide ingredients or the baking soda ingredients. And that's where SANS comes in. SANS doesn't use any ingredients that alter the pH under your arm. Instead, it relies on three techniques to protect you from odors. And those are using wetness-absorbing ingredients, such as organic arrowroot powder and organic tapioca starch. Also using antimicrobial botanical oils. Rain Organica likes to avoid coconut oil just for anybody out there with coconut allergies. So instead you'll find argan oil and olive oil. Of course, both of those are organic. They're also naturally antimicrobial. And the third way that sands helps helps keep those odors at bay is by using essential oils and for the deodorant especially you'll find blends of antimicrobial essential oils right now you can pick up lavender and this is made with organic bulgarian lavender a very true to smell lavender. Oftentimes lavender essential oils can be a bit medicinal and this one is not. It's, it's sways much more towards that pure lavender smell. And the second option is a seasonal dirty chai, essential oil blend with organic coriander, cypress, litsea cubeba and copaiba balsam to impart the antimicrobial properties into this essential oil blend. And of course, with it being dirty chai, sweet marjoram, cardamom, and coffee absolute add the final touches to this robust blend. Pre-order your sans vegan deodorant today over at rainorganica.com. Pre-orders are accepted through October 13th and we'll begin shipping October 20th. And now let's get into today's episode. Welcome to the Alchemy of Things, a podcast diving deep into topics like skincare, holistic living, and the energy that connects us all. I'm your host, Brandy Searcy, founder and formulator of Rain Organica, where you'll find skincare you can take with you anywhere. Why is your lymph system so important and what does it do for you? If you're like me, I didn't really know that much about lymph until I was grown, done with college and holding down a job. So that's to say I knew the lymph system was important for my immunity and that lymph nodes tend to swell up when we're sick, but I had no idea that this system played other incredibly important roles within our body. Aside from being involved in immunity, our lymph system also assists with returning fluid to our hearts. So it prevents edema, which is swelling due to congestion of fluid within limbs in particular and other areas of the body. And we all know about capillaries, those tiny blood vessels with very thin walls that allow oxygen exchange from the oxygenated blood that's passing through our body into our body's tissues. And capillaries also allow glucose, so blood sugar, to perfuse out into our tissues to provide energy for our cells. At the same time, the capillaries absorb our tissues' waste products. So they're absorbing carbon dioxide, lactic acid, uric acid, and creatinine from the body tissues. And they're returning those to the heart or basically to the lungs for excretion then uh, or really to other areas. I mean, they're also passing through the kidneys where some of this some of these waste products are are getting removed, passing through the liver, where again, some other of these waste products are getting removed. And as I mentioned, through the lungs, which is where that carbon dioxide gets removed. So the nutrients exiting the capillaries and the waste products that are entering the capillaries are dissolved in water. And collectively, the water and the nutrients, and also the water and the waste products are known as interstitial fluid when they're hanging out outside of the circulatory system. So the exchange between the nutritive fluid that's exiting the capillaries and the waste fluid that is re-entering the capillaries isn't equal. So there's an unequal exchange of that interstitial fluid. The reason that it's not equal is because the differential pressure at the arterial end of the capillary, so that's the end of the capillary that's closest to the heart, is greater than the differential pressure at the venous end of the capillary. So that's the on the side going back to the heart. Of course, veins go back up to the heart and arteries are coming out of the heart with that rich oxygenated blood. What this difference in differential pressure means is that capillaries let out more fluid than they take back in. And so what is responsible for removing that remaining interstitial fluid from our bodies is the lymph system. How much fluid filters in and out of our capillaries Each day, about 20 to 24 liters of fluid passes from the capillaries into our body's tissue. Now, there are four liters per gallon. So this is between about five and six gallons of fluid that passes from your capillaries into the interstitial space. So into your body's tissues every single day. And if you were to just go about your normal day and you didn't have your lymph drainage capabilities, you'd collect about 3.6 liters of interstitial fluid in your body's tissues that weren't returned to circulation. That's about a gallon of fluid per day. Now, this of course would cause swelling, again, I mentioned that's known as edema, and inadequate removal of waste products from your tissues. And remember that the interstitial fluid consists of water plus those nutrients, plus those waste products. And water is heavy. A gallon of water weighs in at just over eight pounds. Yeah, exact opposite of losing weight. Plus with all that swelling and fluid retention, you can imagine in way less than five days, you'd have a very serious problem if your lymph system isn't doing its job. Now, fortunately for most of us, we rarely have to worry about diligently performing manual lymph drainage because our body is taking care of that process for us. Lymphedema, Which is an inability to remove the excess interstitial fluid out of body's tissues and back into the circulatory system, is a very real concern, particularly for cancer patients who have had a significant number of lymph nodes removed or have had damage uh, to some of their lymph nodes as part of their treatment. So, for them, manual lymph drainage is necessary to maintain normal function and normal comfort level in everyday life. Now, before you go stopping this episode because you aren't part of the segment, of the population that has to worry about lymphedema and fluid retention, let me let me just keep talking here for a minute before you stop. Just because you aren't suffering from lymphedema doesn't mean that manual lymph drainage offers no benefit for you. Because I'll be the first to share that if you've never tried it, you have no idea what you're missing. We'll finish talking about the structure and function of the lymph system really quick and then we're gonna talk about how you can perform manual lymph drainage yourself. Now, if you want, you can, there are links in today's show notes over to a YouTube video where I show you how to do manual lymph drainage on your face and neck, specifically your neck. So much like our circulatory system, the lymph system has a network of vessels, and the smallest of these are lymph capillaries. However, unlike the circulatory system, which is a closed loop, so it takes blood to and back, to and from the heart, the lymph system is a one-way system, so it absorbs interstitial fluid into the lymph capillaries and then it returns that fluid back to the heart. Lymph always moves toward the heart. There are a couple of figures in today's show notes that also show what this looks like, like how what the lymph system and the lymph vessels look like. So you can check out today's show notes in case you're interested in taking a look at those. Once the interstitial fluid enters your lymph capillary is generally referred to as lymph or lymph fluid. So once it passes out of the body's tissues and enters into that lymph system, into that network of lymph vessels, then it's, it becomes known as either the lymph or lymph fluid. And it travels towards lymph nodes where lymphocytes, which are a type of immune cell, look for and fight infectious material. So these lymphocytes are always on the lookout for bacteria and viruses. The lymph fluid continues on through these lymph nodes and keeps traveling along the lymph network to return to our circulatory system. Yup, the lymph system drains back into the circulatory system. And after all, this is where it came from originally. Lymph is just the excess fluid that's released from the capillaries of of your circulatory system and it's not reabsorbed back into those capillaries. So it returns to the circulatory system via lymph. Unlike the circulatory system, the lymph network does not have a true pumping mechanism like your heart. And so the movement of lymph relies on several different methods. This particular method is also how food moves in our digestive tract. And it basically involves alternating relaxation and contraction of smooth muscle to move material in, in, uh, in action known as peristalsis. Valves line the lymph vessels to help ensure unidirectional flow of lymph toward the heart. So think of these as check valves and they prevent backup of that lymph fluid and keep that lymph moving towards your heart. Movement of your skeletal muscles, including breathing, also help propel lymph towards the heart and even your heart beating. So even that arterial pulsation every time your heart beats helps keep that lymph moving. If congestion develops in a lymph node, the pressure built up within the node can overcome the ability of the lymph valves to keep lymph flowing towards the heart. So if if you wind up with pressure in one area, then oftentimes that can overcome those little check valves and cause fluid retention in, in spaces below that part of the lymph system. It's really beneficial to promote lymph flow because the lymph doesn't have a true pump. Because the lymph system doesn't have a true pump, lymphatic flow throughout the body relies on movement. It's no mere coincidence that lymph nodes are located at major joints, which are points of high mobility throughout your body. And visualizing the basic anatomy of your lymph system helps when you're ready to perform manual lymph drainage and dry brushing. If you'd like a quick guide of the layout of the lymph nodes within your body and the lymph system within your body, you can head over to today's show notes and download a free quick guide that contains that, along with steps on how to dry brush. So speaking of dry brushing, let's talk about a few ways that you can promote lymph flow in your body. So the simple act of breathing is one great way to stimulate lymph flow. Lymph vessels are prevalent in our body at every depth. That means that your body has superficial lymph vessels just below the surface of the skin. These are the ones that benefit greatly from dry brushing. You also have more in-depth lymph vessels and lymph nodes throughout your body. So deeper lying. And these are the ones that benefit from acts such as breathing. Slow, deep breaths can stimulate lymph flow. If you've heard of diaphragm breathing, that's what we're going for here. So you're oxygenating your blood, calming yourself, and improving lymph flow all in the simple act of breathing. You can stay hydrated. When you're dehydrated, the lymph Thickens and that makes it even more difficult for your lymph system to move fluid. So, think of trying to pour molasses or honey versus pouring water. So, the best way to hydrate is to drink room temperature or even hot water throughout the day. Most of us don't get enough water daily, and it usually takes a conscious effort to drink enough water. Also, be cognizant of overdrinking. Signs of overdrinking might include a headache. And I find this especially true when I sip too much hot water throughout the day. So our goal here is to stay hydrated, just not overhydrated. You can also try dry brushing. And I know I've mentioned this before in the episode. Dry brushing is great before you hit the shower. You can just spend a few minutes dry brushing. It's, an, it's a great way to exfoliate skin as well as to boost lymph flow. And to encourage lymph flow, you can try Pilates. We're going to talk more about pilates in next week's episode so stay tuned for that pilates has a whole host of health benefits including moving limp the third and final supermoon of 2021 will happen on june 24th april may and june this year have all celebrated supermoons which basically means the moon is full when it is closest to Earth. So this is the part in the moon's rotation where it, it most closely approaches Earth. This is called perigee, and it is that point where it's closest in its orbital rotation to Earth. And when the full moon happens to coincide with that, it's called a supermoon because the moon appears bigger from Earth. June's moon is also known as the strawberry moon and this is a perfect segue into the book I'm reading right now, Braiding Sweetgrass. If you haven't yet picked up this book or listened to it on audio, I highly encourage you to add it to your summer reading list. It is such a beautiful discussion and in in-depth Oh, it's like it's another one of those books that's just pure poetry in in prose. The author does such a great job of discussing, she weaves in botany and the way that Native Americans approached the land and everything that the earth has to offer and how out of tune Western civilization is with that. It's a beautiful book and I highly encourage you to pick it up again if you haven't yet. So that is all for today's in tune, um, segment. So you may have noticed that last episode was on Pilates originally for this series. I intended the intro to Lymph flow to be the first in the series followed by the episode on Pilates and ending with my interview with Leslie regarding acupuncture how that helps flow throughout the body however just from a timing standpoint it made much more sense to go ahead and post leslie's interview up front because that episode was published in mid-may and this was of course at a time when many of us were still being vaccinated so we were getting our first or our second doses of vaccine And it just felt much more pertinent to share that episode then. Uh, So what you might notice in the coming weeks is a little bit of reshuffling to get these episodes back into their original sequence. So it will be this intro to limp flow first, followed by the Pilates, followed by my interview with Leslie. Now let's talk about what's coming up next on the podcast. Have you ever wondered what the difference is between sunscreens and antioxidants? That's the topic of the next episode. If you're enjoying The Alchemy of Things, would you please take a quick minute just to leave a review? It helps so much with people being able to find the podcast and enjoy it as well. And of course, if you have a friend who might... Who you feel might enjoy one of the episodes or might benefit from something that's shared here, if you would take a quick minute and hunt down that episode and share it with them. Thank you so much for listening and until next time, bye.